You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everybody, welcome again to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we're going to talk about sound today. Sound. And all the various components of sound, not just sound alone, but we're going to get into, we'll get into the sound weapons and all sorts of stuff. stuff. Yeah, all hey, that stuff. There's a lot going on with sound, and it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But we're just going to round it up a little bit for you here, and we're just going to go for it, and we'll see what happens. Here's what I did. Okay, what'd you do? Getting ready for this episode, I went around and I just started asking people what their favorite thing about sound is. And I got some interesting responses, you know, I mean, it was typical. People really didn't expect me to ask them. You're doing some, like, guerrilla-style reporting. Yeah, I I just walked up to people and I shoved a microphone in their face and I said, what's your favorite thing about sound? And here are some of the responses I got. favorite thing about sound? My most favorite thing about sound is about, I don't know, it's the ability to make people move. (laughs) Okay, hold on. That guy say because of how it can make people move he said it be, yeah because yeah is he a, a, a latin dancer he's a dj <laughs> oh okay first guy was yeah. a dj so yeah uh, that makes he, sense i like i can control people's bodies is basically what i hear from him that's kind of what djs do you know they kind of pump out sound and they create this uh movement in people that's that's pretty interesting okay and the second guy who's this guy I would say my favorite thing about sound is um, how deep you could get with knowledge and figuring out things and learning about frequencies and really learning how to make things sound, if it's a guitar amp, making it sound like the amp through another completely different system. You know, sometimes you have an amp and it sounds great and then through the house it's just all tinny and nasty. This guy is obviously a musician. I asked him about sound, and immediately he started talking about frequencies and guitar amps. He said a lot of big words and said a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, who do we have next? What's your favorite thing about sound? In general? In general. That it's like, you can do whatever you want with it. You can do whatever you want with it. That's really deep. It's pretty <laughs> philosophical. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I... I suppose. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> let's let's hear another. What's your favorite thing about sound? About sound? Sound. Um, <laughs> the crisp quality of it. Crisp quality of sound? Yeah. Right. The crispness of sound. The crisp. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of sound going on in that little clip. Yeah, obviously there was some pop artist blaring in the background and some pop artists and, and this you know this person obviously uh was drawn into the crispness of this pop artist and that's wow. what came to his mind so yeah these are really great these are really genius comments yeah Let's, and um, you know there's a couple of other people that we talked to that online sort of took a survey in right. a random uh, forum and 
Okay. Some of the responses we got were sound has infinite variations. See, these are the kinds of things that I like. I like this. Maybe it's just because these people who posted had a little bit more time to think about it rather than you coming up with a microphone. Yeah, and shoving it up their nostrils. Yeah, right up their nostrils. Like one of my favorites that we have here is it can be outrun. Which is really interesting because just recently... Uh, Red Bull had this guy jump out of a little Felix. He did the the um, the space jump. He yeah. jumped from the stratosphere, something like 128,000 feet in the air, 24 miles or something, and he fell faster than the sound of him falling. Well, guys, yeah, that's really high. How small you are. I'm going over. Yeah, that's intense. That's pretty fun. You know, we talk about cars or, or not cars necessarily. There are land cars that have broken the speed of sound, but right. Well, for for decades we've had that, but this guy, he he stepped off of his porch and fell faster than the sound of him screaming. That's right. basically what's happening. And it was terrifying. I watched it. It was awesome. Did you watch it, guys? I did. He fell yeah. for four and a half minutes. He yeah. was a free fall. Yeah, that was really, really intense. It was the highest jump ever. And, I mean, just if you think about it, they, they were talking about how the sonic boom is going to, you know, knock him unconscious or something. Because when usually when we see something go in the speed of sound, it's either a really gnarly car on, like, some, some uh, salt planes. Right. Or it's an airplane. Right. And when those things have sonic booms, you have the entire, uh, you know, it's so loud because of engines and things like that. And when it breaks a sonic boom, it just is destructive. Right. <laughs> and everybody was worried about this guy falling faster than the speed of sound and the sonic boom knocking him out in midair or something like that. But he didn't have an engine or anything like that. So the sonic boom was just like, came from the flapping of the his, the, his suit that his he was wearing space suit. <laughs> so it was almost indistinguishable it's funny it was just because it was such a big like worry they're like nope yeah no the sound of your shoelaces <laughs> being untied did not uh cause not, a shockwave that a yeah, sonic boom earth shattering shockwave okay what else do we got another guy said i like the way melodic tunes sound and how most of nature can usually agree what is melodic or pleasant such as running water what i think what he's trying to refer to is you think about relaxation tapes or something and you have the sound of nature you know and it kind of calms you down it has this effect right that's very powerful for people So I think that's what he was talking about. Yeah, it could get pretty emotional. Yeah. It it affects our brains, definitely. And this one, this last one I thought was really interesting, too, because this person had a little different spin on it. And this person said, even unpleasant sounds can have a purpose, such as warning you of danger. A car's screeching brakes will get your attention quickly and possibly save your life. See, that's a straight shooter right there. That's somebody who... They get it. They get. They understand it. So they get it. Let's talk about the phenomena of sound. Right. We're, we're making sound right now into your we're ear hole, it. and somehow you're able to decode 
these right. vibrations and make sense of it. What's going on with that, Basil? Well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's everybody kind of gets this. They've heard it at some point in their life. If there's somebody listening from like, I don't know, 1896 or something, they'll probably be really astounded by what I'm about to tell you guys. But the straight shot of it is... Um, like many things in our universe, sound is merely just vibration. It's sort of a, a state of energy that is moving around. And it's just one thing vibrating another thing, vibrating another thing. And eventually this chain of vibration gets into your ears and that's where all the magic happens. Okay, so let's see. I'll knock on something here. This is some, some true radio here. All right, so you got that little knock. And what happens there is there's just vibrating of wood or whatever you're knocking into, or my bones for that matter. And what's happening is it just vibrates. Very simple, just vibrating from impact. But then that vibration vibrates the air molecule next to that, and that molecule vibrates the next molecule, and you have these waves, sound waves. And we all ripples. Ripples, yes, exactly. And so nothing super special is happening. This just sort of happens all over the universe. But what the really special part is, is when those vibrations make it into your head, you've got some nice chambers in there filled with liquid and little hairs. And when those little hairs and when that liquid vibrates, your brain um, gets to translate those little tweaks and vibrations into what we call sound which brings me to another thing Gons if a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it doesn't make a sound I think the scientific answer is no no that's correct it doesn't it doesn't it's the weirdest thing and you know you're asked that question so many times but here's the the fact of the matter is it does not because there's, there's no such thing as sound. Sound isn't a thing that just exists in the universe. Right. Vib- vibrations exist in the universe. They're all over the place. But sound is something that's strictly inside our minds. And I think that's something that is really special. And if anybody is wondering why we're doing a whole sh- you know, series or show on sound, it's um, let's start right here. And freak you out a little bit before we move on and that is sound is all in your head it's sort of a miracle by itself that we're able to decode and decipher these ripples of waves moving through the air and make sense of it and communicate ideas it's an incredible, incredible miracle, okay? The fact that we're able to hear sound is in itself just a ridiculous piece of engineering that just doesn't happen on its own. Yeah. So this miraculous thing that we call sound, like I said before, which I think makes us pretty special as sentient beings, it doesn't exist without us. And sound translates over to language and, and all sorts of stuff. It is truly... It rules the world. It does. And, you know, one, another interesting fact about sound is that 
as we know it, it only travels through gas, liquid, solid, and plasma. So, have you seen Star Wars? Have, have you seen I Star Wars? What kind of a question is this? Star Wars. <laughs> now, in every sort of space movie that you watch, whenever a ship blows up or a spaceship goes down, what do you hear? Well, in Star Wars... I'm glad you picked Star Wars because specifically Star Wars, they have really unique, interesting sounds that spaceships make, like TIE fighters. Mm -hmm. They make their sound, which is kind of like a... (laughs) (laughs) I've sound, was that pretty good? I think it's, I already have editing plans for that one. That one's great. And the lasers, there's always lasers going. And then you have R2-D2 going. R2, release the nanobots. You know, there's all sorts of nonsense going on. Right. But is that accurate? If sound only moves through gas, liquid, solid, and plasma. It's, it's so wrong, it hurts me. Yeah. It hurts my feelings. I feel insulted. So when you're in outer space, there's no sound. There's nothing. Just silence. Even rocket ships and big things of fire coming out of the ends of these outrageous looking tubes of metal that we've put together down here are completely silent. But you know, without sound and movies, outer space movies anyway, it would be so boring. And you know, there's a whole art to making sound and movies and it's this thing called sound design. And I got to tell you, I really wanted to be a sound designer at one point and you know, do Foley stuff. Foley's, yeah. I wanted to be a Foley artist too. Yeah, and like smash things and break stuff. and. Yeah, they're the guys who, when a movie's all finished, they send it over and you just do sound effects. That's just all you do all day long. That's your job. You have this little room just filled with junk and you just play a movie and bang stuff together, really. Oh, that would be Make such sound a great effects. job. I would love doing that for a living. Yeah. Someday, my friend. Someday. Well, you know... <laughs> When I think about sound also, like I, I was thinking myself about, you know, the first question we asked, what's your favorite thing about sound? And my first thought was actually an album that came out before I was born by a band called Pink Floyd. And I'm sure some of you guys have Ooh. listened to Pink Floyd. The album that I loved was called Dark Side of the Moon. And, you know, again, it came out like 20-something years before I was born. Yeah, it's pretty old school, man. It's totally old school. But, you know, they were able to create these soundscapes that were so unique. And when you think about the fact that they were doing it in the late 60s or I think early 70s or somewhere around that time, it's pretty remarkable. It's really groundbreaking because... Why was it so groundbreaking? What's so great about it? It was kind of pre-incarnate synth sounds that were so unique. And, you know, I'm sure that it was enhanced and people made a bigger deal about it because of the drugs they were on. 
<laughs> nevertheless, the sounds that they created were very unique and very cool. I mean, it was just stuff that you'd never heard of before. Right. Up until that point, you know, the music in general was instruments and singing, and certainly there's a lot of that on the album, but just these weird spacey sounds that why, why do you think that affected you so much I, I just love the creativity of it I, I just thought it was unique and it just takes you to a different world you know it kind of gets you out of your day to day and just makes you experience something that's beyond so that was something it you heard things that you'd never heard before because you had never been to the dark side of the moon in person. Well, sure, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, this was the dark side of the moon in the mind of Roger Waters and David Gilmore and Right, which I'm sure is a much more interesting place than the real dark side of the moon. Which is completely silent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have any uh, musical albums or anything that affected you that has unique sounds? You know, it's really interesting. No. I mean, unique sound, that's such a, it's such a hard thing to pin down. It's such a vague thing, huh? It's such a vague thing. I mean, right now, I, I, I guess I sort of really am into the blues. And I think I could say that there are I mean the blues was a new thing when when it was new that was a revolutionary sound well yeah you know what I mean? and personally as a guitar player I had a really uh, great love for blues when I first started playing guitar because you know again it was a sound it was the tone of the guitar that spoke to you you know it's like these emotions being carried out through these strings and right you didn't even need to hear him wailing about how his girl left him and his and his and the, the lawman's after him. It's really even just in the guitar itself. You're like, oh, this guy is in trouble, right? And <laughs> and he, I'm, you know, I'm gonna wait for him to sing and find out exactly why. But I'm sure it's not good. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> just an interesting point. Recently, there was a movie called Looper. That came out that I still haven't seen. Have you seen I know. it? No, I've. We I think we talked about it a little while ago. I want to see it. It's about time travel, right? And now it has a whole nother thing that makes it uh, desirable to see, which is what guns. Uh, basically, the composer for the movie, his name's Nathan Johnson. Right. He did something pretty unique. I guess it's not necessarily the newest idea, but he did it very well which was he went out and just recorded sounds of anything. I bought a field recorder and inspired in part by the original Star Wars sound designers like Ben Burt, I headed down to New Orleans where the filming was already in progress. Once I got there, I just began wandering around the city, recording industrial fans, machinery, the treadmill in my hotel room. And I just basically spent a month gathering and collecting all of these different found sounds. And he created instruments out of them, and he composed the soundtrack for Looper. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean created instruments out of them? Okay, so nowadays with digital platforms for audio you know, making, you right. can get a sound okay and you can manipulate it got it in various ways so there's melody 
So they use, I mean, they, they he listens for tone and things and whatever in the car door shutting or a cat squealing and then sort of puts that in line to be used as music? Yeah, and what's cool these days also, because um, of the technology, you can, let's say there's a sound of me scratching the microphone. Now, you can slow down that sound. You can speed up that sound. And you can assign it to a particular key. And basically, the keyboard is going to create different pitches of that sound. You really are creating an instrument out of a random sound. as random as scratching the microphone. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay, I get it. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, sounds pretty awesome. It affects us, and we, I I guess, affect sound, apparently. We can make it do things and change things, and we're all about that. But, I mean, what else is cool? Other than technology messing with sound, there's some stuff out there that... uh, it's a little more closer to home in the brain that... The human brain? The human brain. Oh, my goodness. There's something called synesthesia. Yep, that's a nice one. Yeah, it's basically a neurological condition where the simulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to an automatic involuntary experience in another sensory or cognitive pathway. So... Scientist Gans, if I can just take a second to process that. So you're saying hearing a sound, seeing a sound? Yeah, so your senses sort of mix. And there are people who, when they hear sound, see color. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. That's fun. It's intense. Yeah, and, and that's that's without drugs. That's without drugs. <laughs> okay. All right. And they're able to describe it you know they talk about the hue or the brightness or and the thing that's interesting is it's not consistent with different people that have this so it's kind of just all in their minds it's custom made tailored to the individual that's pretty intense yeah and sound smell synesthesia is yeah that's really weird i mean i I don't even know what that would be like sound i mean it sounds crazy awesome (laughs) Or crazy. <laughs> well, crazy awesome. Crazy awesome. <laughs> okay, so like when you're, what comes into my mind right away is, I mean, wake up to the sound of sizzling bacon, and then you're smelling bacon? I guess that's already a thing. It is kind of already a thing, but I'm not sure. It probably has some kind of associative factor Like, you know, if, um, I don't know, maybe I'm not sure how this works. We probably should have looked into it a little bit more. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Except you who has sound smell synesthesia screaming and yelling at us. Yeah. Does, if anybody out there. Yeah. How do we smell through (laughs) sound? Let us know. Email us. Oh gosh. That would be interesting. Okay. All right, yeah, if there's any of you synesthesia people out there, I'm really interested what my voice smells like. Maybe it just smells like basil. Oh, 
Look at you coming out with all the jokes. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Okay, what's next? Okay, I'm sure, you know, because we're bringing up sound, there's all sorts of stuff we can bring up. And one of the things that we wanted to touch on is something called cymatics. Cymatics. Cymatics is the study of visible sound and vibration. Yeah. So typically the way they would do it is they would create kind of a, a diaphragm or plate and have some sort of substance, whether it's salt or water or liquid. And then they would create sounds under it and it creates this vibration, obviously, and yeah. these patterns emerge. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. And we we have videos. We'll put videos up. There's videos all over YouTube of this stuff. And it is crazy. You have a, a metal plate, dump some sand on it, and shoot a tone into the metal plate. And what happens is the vibrations make incredibly intricate patterns on the metal plate. Stuff you would not imagine just existing in nature because of vibrations and things like that. Right. Okay. Now, before we get too far into this, I do want to do a quick debunking. Okay. Because something I heard a while ago and I was like, oh, this is awesome, was that through cymatics, you're able to produce the exact Sanskrit and Hebrew vowel shapes. And it was sort of this kind of uh, quasi-religious people saying, oh, you know, the Hebrew language is of God because look, through cymatics, we right, can create right. these Hebrew letters through... I totally remember that. Right. Well, it would be really awesome, but unfortunately, this is false. Debunked. Debunked. Because, wow. and here's why, cymatic images are totally dependent on pitch. So okay. the same sound wave played through a cymatics dish will create two different patterns when raised or lowered just a little bit. You know, if you have a pitch and then you raise it just a bit, it changes the pattern. Right. So there's no standard pitch for speaking Hebrew or Sanskrit vowels or anything. So it kind of debunks the whole thing. Well, wait, did they, or do they not get the, what are they letters? Hebrew letters? That was the claim. Yeah. How did, I mean, did they get them or did they not get them? Well, that's the thing. There are people that say you say these Hebrew words or whatever, and it creates the Hebrew words through the cymatics, but it, it can't. Oh, it's, it's okay. So they spoke. Right, right, some- right. They would say the Hebrew word, I don't know any Hebrew words, but something. And through the cymatic process, they would say, oh, look, you say that Hebrew word or letter or whatever, and it creates the cymatic image of it right right but okay so did they play tone that created hebrew letters on the plate not that i know of i don't think it's happened i mean that's that's the claim but right there's nothing official that's been released or shown you know if if this was true it would be easily duplicated and it would be a thing you know people would know about it but because it's really hasn't been, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. If there's someone out there that can reproduce uh, Hebrew letters through cymatics, <laughs> please let us know. All right, we're just gonna get all sorts of different mail. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, well that's cool. Cymatics is a cool thing. Yeah, and we can talk about it more, but you know we're just gonna move on because 
We have to stay sound. Bah. Well, there's just a lot of stuff to cover. So these there are is. just some little things that you can look into. What else do we got? Little tidbits. So we well, got we got bigger things. We got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, and I know you guys are all like, "All right, come on, people, get to the conspiracy what sound weapons," and we'll get there. Just just get relax. There. All right. It's crazy. Sonoluminescence. Sonoluminescence, and you know the reason why I wanted to talk about sonoluminescence is because it got me thinking about God and how God created the the world and, and we'll get there, but you guys are probably wondering what sonoluminescence is. I'll say it. Go. It's the production of light from sound. Ooh. Yeah. That's sound waves creating light. I mean, we talk about bioluminescence. This is sonoluminescence, which is almost even crazier than bioluminescence. Yeah, so what happened was, or I guess the first documented sonoluminescence event was in the mid-1930s when scientists were experimenting with naval sonar devices in the water. And they noticed that when they shot these sound waves through the water, it created this bluish glow. And these small bubbles would emit, emit flashes of light. And they called them aces. I don't know why they called them aces. but It's the 1930s. Everything was aces back then. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't it's just, around. It's just a word they love to use, I think. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they stopped researching it because... You know, 1930s, uh, you know, it was about to, World War II was about to start. You know, they had other bigger fish to fry, you know, than studying sonoluminescence. So, right. I mean, there's, yeah, there's the Great Depression going on. There's all sorts of other sorts of aces that they have to deal with. Right. Cool. So, so what, when did it resurface? What, what happened? Like, what do we know about it now? Well, you know, it's actually interesting. The past couple of decades, um, it just sort of, came back into the limelight. Ah. Oh, okay. Okay, get it? Um, <laughs> I have a little slow. A little, <laughs> a little slow. I was like, all right, the limelight. Oh, the see, limelight. Okay, see. okay. All right. Okay, so, yeah, sonoluminescence. It just came rushing back, you know, after all these things happen, like wars and uh, Great Depressions and the 80s and all those sort of terrible things, uh, <laughs> people get... People hey, I get, was born in the 80s, all people, right? People, uh, so was I. Okay. People, okay, but, and that's how I know it was terrible, okay? Yeah, okay. No, I'm right. just kidding. I love shoulder pads and It's neon. coming back. Yeah, okay. So in 1989, they started experimenting again with the sonoluminescence and shooting sound waves basically into this, um, we'll just call it water. It was a liquid. Liquid. And, and, what, and what did they discover? They discovered again this sonoluminescence, the little bubbles inside of the liquid get sort of trapped by the vibrations. They get sort of trapped, and not only do they get trapped, but they start freaking out. They start freaking out at such an incredible, um, with an, an incredible amount of energy that they start to give off little blinks. They sort of pulse and blink and light, and and you know, soon you've got 
bunch of bubbles just twinkling around like fireflies. But that's not even close to the most interesting part of it. Because when they found out the temperature inside the bubbles was hot enough to melt steel. Right. It's incredible. You have this sound wave interacting with a tiny bit of gas in a liquid and it creates such energy that the heat from it some people were even talking that the bubble was well above a million kelvins yeah which is unimaginable for me yeah and then there are other people that predicted that the acceleration of the burst was more powerful than a black hole. I mean, that's like powerful. Right. Yeah. The sound was creating just an, a, a cosmic amount of energy. Right. And they don't know everything about sonoluminescence. There's theories out there, but no one really knows exactly what's going on there. But it shows that sound can be a really dangerous and important thing. Well, and also that sound produces light. Yeah. Which is interesting because when we read Genesis, we learn that God made sounds, obviously, but the first thing he made from that sound was light. Whoosh. So in Genesis, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And that was a big deal when that happened. I'm sure it was a huge deal. And if you look at just the first two verses in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody knows that. But it's interesting how it's that line describes the template, if you will. I know. I love it. Because in the beginning shows that time had a beginning, that it started. God created time it was like it had to it had to be the first thing there and then he created the heavens which is synonymous with space because in time you have to have space so we have space and time and then he created the earth which can be synonymous with matter so the first line in the bible god's creating time space and matter in that order boom which is really interesting. And now, okay, we read the second verse, and we've interpreted this verse differently in the past, but, you know, for the sake of this, I think there's different layers of understanding. Okay. So the second verse says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And just when I read that, I'm picturing God created time-space matter, and it's this big dark globby thing it's just there's no shape there's no size it's just you know the the hebrew words there chaos and darkness and it's just this thing right it's a big big mushy thing just waiting waiting to get played with and i'm picturing god the spirit of god hovering kind of entering into it but he's not physically there he's there in the spirit which is interesting because you know the word for hovering is um, vibrate or shake or flutter. Ooh. But then when he says, let there be light, he creates light and boom, he separates light from darkness. But here's the deal. When he spoke, he created sound waves. 
Right. So the first interaction of anything spiritual in the physical world may have been sound. Yeah. Which is kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge thing. And I think it's something that doesn't get enough credit a lot of times. And on top of that, I mean, as long as we're going to be biblical here, there's a huge amount of scripture that talks about even your tongue being the rudder of your ship. Right. Now, of course, there's a lot of there's a lot going in there, you know, with your morals and ethics and and doing the right thing. But at the same time, it's still vocal. It's yeah. your vocality that affects the world around you. Right. And we brought up the point about sound being this sort of foundational miraculous thing at the beginning of the show. And it really is. And I think this is why we have in, you know, many spiritual practices, sound is a very important part of it. You know, you have in some Eastern spiritualities, you have the Om, right? The Om, yeah. You have Gregorian chants. Yeah. Gotta love um, that. You know, a lot of uh, African cultures, they have the rhythmic dancing as a spiritual thing. Right. Um, the dancing until you are just elevated to right. this sort of spiritual state. Right. So and then obviously, you know, with the Christian community, you have worship. Right. And, and so what else? I mean, is there anything else? I can't think of anything. The, I'm sure there's also, there's bagpipes. Right. The spiritually ascendant instrument, which is the bagpipe. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just in general, when you think about music and we, you know, we've talked about this sort of already, but there is a spiritual quality to it. And it could be because the f- initial spiritual thing that happened in the universe was sound as far as a, right. a direct intervention. It takes a very hard hearted human being for them to admit that they don't think that there's anything transcendent about sound or about music specifically. Right. Which brings us to a place that's sort of interesting because. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, speaking of sounds only existing in our head, that doesn't mean that there's vibrations that we don't get to hear. Right. right? Humans can only hear between 20 and 20,000 Hertz. Okay. I'm not a sound guy. I, I don't, what's a hurt? What, what does 20 Hertz sound like? Okay. I'm going to play a 20 Hertz tone. Okay. But you're probably, most people listening right now will probably not hear it unless you have like a super subwoofer that is able to capture or emit this sound. So here's 20 Hertz. Okay. So it's, that's a low one. It's really really low. low. Some people may not have even heard. I mean, most of you, if you're listening through your iPod or iPhone or something, you probably didn't hear it because most of your headphones don't reach that low. You guys are so missing out. Yeah. That was an awesome, that was 20 Hertz, man. All right. So I'm going to move up the scale. Here's a 60 Hertz tone. Okay. So that's a little better. A little better. Yeah. You can hear that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie just so everybody feels fine out there. I couldn't hear the 20 Hertz. I just pretended. (laughs) Well, (laughs) technically I didn't either. I just know that the tone was there because my little sound machine says that it was there. Okay. Good. All right. So All right. That was 60. That's nice. I like that. 60 Hertz. Now you have a hundred Hertz. Okay. 100 Hertz, everyone. Okay. 
That's nice. That scares me for what 20K is going to be like <laughs> if we're only up to 100. Well, here's the deal. A okay. lot of people don't have... I know I've lost 20 kilohertz, which is, or, which is 20,000 hertz, oh, which wow. is really fast. I, I know I've lost my hearing at that range, but we'll get there. So this is 1K, okay. so 1,000 hertz. 1,000. That's a thousand. Woo! Yeah, that's like that's a happy noise. I mean, that's one thousand. That's one thousand hertz. Oh gosh, I'm scared. Yeah, it's starting to sort of you know get a little up there. Get a little up there for sure. Yeah, okay. Now, this one might start hurting a little bit. I'll keep the volume down. This is five thousand hertz. Five thousand. Okay. Ah! Oh, the 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 humanity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now that's five. That's only a fourth of what we're doing here. Okay, let's keep going. And here's 20,000 hertz. This is the top range of our right. human hearing. For only my fellow werewolves can hear this. <laughs> oh no, top range of human. Okay, yeah. Okay, let's hear it. You're not going to hear it. I can't hear it because I'm deaf. Are you playing it? Yeah. I can't hear it. I know. <laughs> what does that mean if I can't hear 20K? Well, it means that we, at most of us, especially, you know, those of us who play music or listen to loud music or just in general, you know, we're around sound a lot and our hearing does get damaged. And so you're telling me that I, I rock way too hard, way too hard. And you know, what's really funny Okay. is funny? if you go to a normal rock concert, okay. The high end, you know, the the 1K up range right. is really, really, really loud. If you like, I went to a Metallica concert about wow. 10 years ago, and my ears were blown off. And I was, I think, I damaged my hearing quite badly at the show. But that, that doesn't sound like a thing you should do. No, you probably shouldn't do that. And I regret um, not having earplugs. But um, they're really high. And I think it's because the sound guys that are in the booth are like deaf, you know, and they're like, Oh, I can't hear 20 K or 10 K let's boost it. Right. And then they boost it. And then everybody else's hearing goes down too, you know, because right. they're, so it's damaged. those old roadies that are ruining it for the rest of us. Pretty much. Okay. Now these are all really interesting things about sound, but I mean, what's next? We started from 20 hertz and we moved all the way up to 20,000 hertz. Now, there's sound below 20 hertz and there's yeah. sound above 20,000 hertz. Okay. And above it, it's called ultrasound. Yeah. Below it is called infrasound. Okay. And this gets into some different areas because, you know, there's sound-based weapons out there that yeah. can affect us. In sort of scary ways. Yeah. Okay. In 1978, Hungary, the country, the country, Hungary had a, a wrote a paper for the United Nations and they came out with the discovery that the frequency that is thought to be most dangerous to human beings is between seven and eight Hertz. Okay. The frequency that is thought to be most dangerous to humans between seven and eight hertz. It's not very far away from the 20 hertz that we could almost hear. Right. And it's a low rumble. This is infrasound. And at large volumes, right. high decibels, it can actually 
rupture internal organs. Right, because it's it's uh, the same resonating frequency of of flesh. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we probably should have mentioned something about this earlier, but when sound hits the same frequency as something, everything has a vibration. Our bodies have a vibration. All molecules have a vibration and that works very well with sound. And that's why, you know, sound can do things like tear down the walls to an ancient civilization. Which we'll get into later. And that's why sound can completely render the flesh of a human being uh, just utterly useless as it oscillates between frequencies of a sound gun. And so it can be really scary things. And um, Well, this that- brings up something really interesting, though. Okay. Because studying the New Age movement, you often hear about, oh, we're going to go move into a higher frequency of existence. And they always talk about light bodies and all this stuff. Right. Now... These different levels of frequencies, are they akin to different dimensions? You know, are they breaking past what we understand as our physical existence and going to a different dimension? Well, I think that's totally possible. They've proven some pretty strange things playing with frequencies and oscillations. And I mean, if there's certain frequencies that can affect our brains certain way, I think that's totally akin to beginning some sort of extra dimensional resonation with some sort of frequency. And I think that's what a lot of new age people base a lot of things on. So, I mean. Right. uh, Which, okay, here's the thing. Just a little tidbit on that. Okay. The new ages focus a lot on this, you know, light body, the frequency and all this stuff. And Biblically speaking, we are going to get immortal bodies. And I think it's an important thing to point out that these immortal bodies probably are going to have some kind of higher frequency. And I don't know, maybe not, but just scientifically, I mean, they would have to in, in, yeah, in a scientific sense, it's going to be a different dimension quote unquote, or different frequencies. So they're not necessarily off base on that point, but they use it and focus on it. And, you know, that's like the main thing that's going to happen. And that's not really the point. Well, I I think a good way to to think about it is those uh, frequencies that we were listening to just a second ago. Okay. We're able to hear between 20 and 20,000 Hertz. The vibrations still exist outside of those numbers. Right. But we're just unable to perceive them. Right. Right. So, I mean, you could almost say that everything has a sort of vibration. You're just able to perceive that vibration or not. Right. Right? Yeah, totally. Okay. And so... I mean, we're talking about God has a vibration. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was going to get to is that... It has to, and we alluding back to what we talked about in the first couple lines of Genesis, there's this sort of intelligent design behind it all. I think it's pretty genius. I think it's pretty awesome too. So while we're sort of on this new agey kick here, talking about sound in, in reference to some of the new age ideas, uh, there's this thing called binaural beats. And, binaural beats. And I've dipped my toe in 
some binaural beat action and tested it out for myself. And I know you have Basil. You're dipping your toes in weird things. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, I tried it out um, for sure. I don't use it anymore. Um, I don't think I was getting the results that I was hoping to get. But basically what they are, if anybody out there is uh, interested in, in that, binaural beats is um, they'll play a frequency into one ear. And then they'll play a slightly different frequency into your other ear. Okay, so you have two different sounds going to each of your ears at different frequencies. So it's, it's when it comes into your brain, when the sound waves make it to your brain all the way to the inside, your inner ear, it creates this sort of pulsing sound. What these frequencies are supposed to do is affect your brain waves in a way that can affect your mood or can affect your energy levels or things like that. It's all based on this thing where brain waves, they move at a frequency just the same as sound waves or any other sort of wave or pulse or something like that. And so uh, the idea would be to influence your brain waves using sort of synthetic induction. Uh, induction. Yeah. The, the synthetic uh, frequencies to, you know, make you feel happy or make you feel like you're on caffeine. Or, I mean, there's even ones that make you or supposedly make you feel like you're on some sort of drug because you know when you're on a drug like cocaine or marijuana or something your your brain waves are at a certain frequency so the idea is to play that same frequency into your mind and bully your brain waves into making you feel happy or making you feel like you're on some sort of drug right and if you have headphones on or not it doesn't matter Let's let's play a couple of them. And just because, okay, it's called the digital drug. I get it. All right. If you're going to be all upset about it, <laughs> send us an email. It's, not, it's okay. Uh, first of all, the, this is so funny. Have you seen the, the, you know, I don't know what the news channel is, but I saw on the news, that's just, <laughs> just that thing, the news on the television where they did a piece on binaural beats. Against the latest internet craze. Have you ever heard of this? It's called iDosing. And websites are luring kids with free downloads of so-called digital drugs, which are audio files designed to induce drug-like effects. Kelly, parents really need to listen up on this one. That's because all kids need to experience these digital drugs are headphones, their computer, and an MP3 player. Though the websites that tout them say they're a safe and legal way to get high, the theory is it could lead to illegal drug use. And they make it so scary. It's so funny. They're talking, they're making it seem like, I mean, kids are going to drop out of school and they're going to... <laughs> really? prostitute themselves like yeah they made it really really intense about these binaural beats and it's literally just sound going into your ears and it's all scary with like this like dripping font and they're like, digital drugs and like oh, gosh it's are doing in their room alone and they just made it so scary and it's just this really intense propaganda thing but anyways okay so so there's that. And we're going to play a couple for you just so you can hear what they are. And don't worry, you're not going to like start tripping out. You're not going <laughs> to, it's not going to happen. All right. So 
they package these different tones and frequencies to have these different effects like Basil was talking about. So we're going to have, we have three of them here that we're going to play for you just briefly, you know, just a few seconds. And the thing that's funny is like, you're supposed to play these tones in your head for like 30 minutes, which I, I couldn't do that. That's, it would drive me crazy. You're supposed to put them on and sort of take a nap or like meditate or something. Right. That's not going to happen. They even claim like you're not going to feel anything unless you like get into this deep meditative state where really if you're in a deep meditative state, that's called hypnosis and you can feel anything you want in that. Yeah. Like a headache. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this first one is promoted or, uh, you know, sold as enhanced focus. So here, this is for ADD kids. This is Ritalin. Oh, wait. Feels good. (laughs) I I feel myself getting more focused. So focused. This is great. I'm focused. Let's move on. What's next? All right. Okay. This next one is called pure pineal gland stimulation. Wow. So... (laughs) That's one to try out, I think. All right, so here we go. Okay. Do you uh, feel pineal gland stimulation? Are you seeing this, man? Are you seeing these things? I don't know. I don't know what happens when your pineal gland is stimulated. Apparently, you can do awesome stuff. Apparently. Can you do anything cool? I can hit stop. Yeah, to that. All right. This last one is called Infinite Bliss. Okay. Infinite Bliss. Let's go. That's nice. I feel blissful infinitely. You sound infinitely blissful. Oh, uh, thank you. Okay, cut that out. All right, so all right, so that's a little dose of digital drugs for you. Yeah, so there you go, everybody. You're welcome. The first first time's free, <laughs> but uh, you know if you're interested, hit us up. Oh, gosh, this is just the most ridiculous thing. So here's the problem. Okay, <laughs> the thing is, and we're gonna sort of do a, a la Chris White. We're gonna do some binaural beats debunking and it's not going to take very much time and in love in in love love. you know and and you know and again it's one of those things that i want to be true to some regard you know it's like it'll be cool well and it's sort of like unlocking some mysteries of our brain we think or we hoped that would be the case but yeah so unfortunately they every study that they've done with this has not really produced any kind of results and Here's a quote from uh, a skeptical website that actually looked into this. It says, binaural beats presume that brain waves work in the opposite way that they do. Certain brain states produce certain brain waves. Brain waves don't produce brain states. You don't just turn a dial to 6.5 hertz and induce instant happiness. Right. And well, what we're getting into is some interesting things uh, with the brain because what we're trying to do is override whatever frequency it's working on at the time. Right. Okay. So, and there's different ways to change your state of mind. And yes, brain waves they do resonate at certain frequencies, but it's coming from a chemical instigator. 
right? Your brain will produce chemicals, which causes brain waves to do things. And it's just hasn't quite been proven that your brain waves can produce certain chemicals in this sense. Yeah. So basically the, the brain produces brain waves, but it's, it doesn't work the opposite direction. Like you can't create sound waves to create different brain waves. Like it, that's not how it works. Correct. It doesn't go. Okay. I got it. Right. Your brain waves affect your brain state. No, 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 no. Your, your brain state produces brain waves. Got it. If I'm happy, I'll make happy brain waves. Right. But you can't make, but I can't shoot happy brain waves, happy waves into my head and change my brain state. Right. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. And what it really comes down to with this whole thing with binaural beats is that it, it's re- it really is no different from some of the stuff we talked about earlier with nature sounds or, or music, just music in general, how it can change sort of the state of your being. And I think music actually works a lot better than binaural beats if you ask me. Because, um, you know, there's just more dynamics involved in actual music, whereas with binaural beats, it's just the tone. In my opinion, if anyone says that, like, oh, it totally works, it's a complete placebo effect, that it's happening because you're allowing it to happen in your mind. Right. And it's not necessarily any different from, you know, feeling happy with an upbeat tune or feeling the soul-wrenching, depressing agony when you listen to blues or something, you know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. <laughs> right. Right. That makes sense to me. All right. So that's that for the binaural beats, but it brings up sort of an interesting thing with technology and sound. And, you know, we're going to get into some conspiracy stuff with, um, sound based weaponry and maybe not even just conspiracy stuff. I mean, there's crazy. Okay. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right. But, but but first the fire extinguisher. Yeah. So, okay. There's, there's a lot of things that sound, you know, stethoscopes and other things. Sonar stuff. Sonar stuff. Yeah. That, that, you know, ultrasound baby looking pictures. So yeah. So sound is really helpful in that way. But DARPA, of course, who else? Uh, they've actually made something called, um, actually, I don't know what it's called, but what it is, is a sound-based fire extinguisher. Yep. In 2008, they made this thing. Instant fire suppression is what it's called. IFS. Yes. And um, basically, they play some really bad music, maybe like a a Justin Bieber track or something. And then, oh, there's a video. There's a video. Whoa. Yeah. So put out this fire in five seconds, lit it back up, and then put it out again. Yeah. Now they have uh, sound-based fire extinguishers. Yeah, that's a fun thing. Yeah. But this sort of, you know, opens up a whole can of worms as far as like, all right, they have sound-based fire extinguishers. What else? Well, Hitler had sound weapons too. And 
he would scramble all sorts of innards. We already kind of talked about that. Let's not talk about that. All right. Okay. If you've been out to your backyard looking at the stars, any sort of time in uh, 2012 or even 2011, you might have heard some strange sounds. If you're in Holland or in England. Or in the U.S. Or in the U.S. There's a lot of people... Go to YouTube when you get the chance and type in strange sounds in the sky and just just see how many videos come up. They're still trying to determine what it was. I'm going to read some information. I just got an update from our uh, desk uh, back at the station. Uh, emergency officials in Lower Bucks County have also received numerous calls about a large boom and uh, the ground shaking, just like some folks were describing out here. So far... No explanation of what happened here, but it really got the attention of a lot of people, even as far away as Ben Salem reporting that they felt that their homes were shaking. Police radio have received a lot of calls. The police have received calls. Don't go out there. And they're happening. They're happening all the time. They're happening now. They've been happening for a couple of years. And this most bizarre sound coming seemingly straight from the sky has got a lot of people tripping out. Right. right. Even a lot of Christians. Yeah. They're talking. Oh, yeah. is that the trumpet? You know, the there's, trumpet. there's uh, some speculation. Yeah. And it sort of even sounds like a trumpet a little bit. And it's 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 really freaky, actually. And it, you know, there's there's a few different versions. I know that there are some fakes out there, but but this is actually a huge phenomenon that's been happening, and nobody can explain it. And it sort of just you know falls off the falls off the news um, stand every few months. But why don't you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. So there is one theory. Um, well, there's several theories, but there's there's one in particular that was interesting. And it's that these sounds are actual acoustic gravitation waves. And basically what they're saying is that it's caused by really, really strong solar flares that have these, you know, huge energy flows that are generated. They hit the Earth and it destabilizes the magnetosphere and the upper atmosphere. And it just makes this loud, low, booming sound that people are hearing. That sounds sort of like harp or something to me. But harp being a thing, if for those of you who don't know, ionosphere is a layer in the uh, Earth's atmosphere there. And harp is a station. I know that there's one in Alaska and there's a few more that are able to shoot ions up into the sky um, and uh, basically affect the shape of the atmosphere around the Earth and able to produce all sorts of really strange weather phenomenons. And uh, I think in this case, also um, strange sounds in the sky. But we don't have the evidence. We, do th- we don't know that for sure. So at this moment, the sounds in the sky are a mystery. Right. Since we're on harp, let's, uh, you know, a couple things on harp. The harp website is interesting because 
actually harp apologists, if you were, or defenders or people that actually work at harp or allegedly right. are part of the, the whole program. They always talk about, Oh yeah, you know, the technology is so easy for conspiracy theorists to jump on and, and whatnot. But, but it, what's interesting I thought was that the website for harp in Alaska, anyway, this is what they say. Har- what harp is. They say harp is a scientific endeavor aimed at studying the properties and behavior of the ionosphere with particular emphasis on being able to understand and use it to enhance communications and surveillance systems, both for civilian and defense purposes. Right. So they're kind of honest about it. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, like, no, 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 we're not affecting weather and we're not causing loud noises in the sky. We're just trying to figure out the best way to spy on you. (laughs) So conspiracy theorists give it a rest. <laughs> that's their case. Right. For- and you know, the belief or rumor or what you have it in the conspiracy world is that harp itself was developed from Tesla technology. Right. And there's this grand conspiracy that the government took the, you know, the Tesla papers. And when they did they one did. of the things um, that they developed was harp. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's completely plausible that that's what's going on. Plausible. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is plausible. That's one word for it. Or are you convinced that it is happening? I'm pretty convinced. That doesn't mean everybody needs to be convinced, but um, it's one of those things where it's like, I would not be surprised at all if it is happening. Right. But because the evidence doesn't really necessarily point to that, we can't say for sure, but I mean, yeah, I mean, come on, we're conspiracy theorists here. It's like, <laughs> it's like, hello. Well, and there's some very interesting information out on Harp. We're planning on doing a, a, a bigger segment on Harp. We could definitely get a little bit more into it, but some very strange things have been uh, known to happen surrounding Harp experiments, including. Sonic booms of death coming from the ionosphere as they sort of um, pop uh, an atmospheric bubble. I guess we could say that. You know, very strange things, but okay. All right. So All right. Well, we got well, the sounds in the sky. So, yeah, the, with the sounds in the sky, I mean, who knows what they are? They could be what we described earlier, right. but I, I will quote a Bible verse that actually could be what's going on. And it comes from a pretty, most of you guys probably know this. It's Romans 8, uh, 22 and 23. And it says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And the main point is that creation is groaning and this could very well be uh, creation groaning. And there could be a very, scientific explanation for what's going on. Right. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that the Bible 2000 years ago talked about strange sounds coming from the sky, coming from creation. Yeah. Yeah. The other verse is found in uh, Isaiah 24, 18 through 20. And it says, he who flees at the sound of the terror shall fall into the pit. And he who climbs out of the pit shall be caught in the snare for the windows of heaven are open and the foundations of the earth tremble. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgressions lie heavy upon it, and it falls, and it will not rise again. And uh, that just sounds devastating. But 
again, you know, it could be just uh, the beginnings of the end here with <laughs> some of these noises happening. Yeah, it's it's a fun fun thing to. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> way to way to stay positive yeah. on this show. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of talk about the sounds, and it. it I mean, there we are not the first ones to um, speculate on to this. speculate on that. I mean, there's we really don't know. I I actually think that the solar winds coming down to play a concert is pretty fun in itself. Um, but I guess that'll be a question for another day. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to some other technologies and even weaponry. Um, there's a guy named Woody Norris, and um, he's the founder of what's called Parametric Sound Corporation. And they've created a sound beam. A who? A sound <laughs> beam. And that is intense. It's very intense. And what, what basically what it does is it concentrates sound into a laser. And it's pretty intense because effectively, if you're standing there and he's holding this device, and let's say you know he channels some music or something through the beam, you only hear it when the beam hits your ear. This unit that I played goes from about 200 hertz to above the range of hearing. It's actually emitting ultrasound, low-level ultrasound that's about 100,000 vibrations per second. And the sound that you're hearing, unlike a regular speaker on which all the sound is made on the face, is made out in front of it in the air. An effect happens in the air. It's a corrupting effect of, of the sound, the ultrasound in this case, that's emitted. But it's so predictable that you can produce very precise audio out of that effect. Now, the question is, where is the sound made? Instead of being made on the face of the cone, it's made at literally billions of little independent points along this narrow column in the air. And so when I aim it towards you, what you hear is made right next to your ears. Uh, we make a version of this which puts out 155 decibels. Pain is 120. <laughs> So it allows you to go nearly a mile away and communicate with people, and there can be a public beach just off to the side, and they don't even know it's turned on. We sell those to the military presently for about $70,000, and they're buying them as fast as we can make them. Uh, we put it on a turret with a camera so that when they shoot at you, you're over there. Ah, uh, he there. did it. He did it. He, he, he sold out. He, sold out. <laughs> he is a wealthy man. He's just a guy trying to make his way in the world, made a laser of death and sound and sold it to the most powerful uh, crime organization in the world. There's not, there's nothing wrong with that. He's just trying to live his life. He may have put us all in grave danger, but he's just doing his thing. And how would they use that technology? I mean, what's a plausible scenario out in the war field Okay, here's a scene for you. We're in a bank Monday morning at Bank of of Awesome. And everybody's in the line at Bank of Awesome. But you notice this fidgety, sort of greasy, sort of young uh, degenerate in line. And you sort of think, what, could, what business does he possibly have here at Bank of Awesome? Well... A security task force, I'm sure, could spot him through the security cameras. And then 
shoot a little beam of sound into his ear saying, don't do it, man. It's not worth it. You're going to go to jail for a long, long time. And nobody else hears. It's just him. It's just beamed right into his ear. So I could see something like that, maybe. This technology may have already been used in the Middle East. Ooh. Okay, tell me about it. So again, this idea of being able to put sound anywhere you want to is really starting to catch on. It also works for transmitting and communicating data. It also works five times better underwater. Uh, we've got the military had just deployed some of these into Iraq where you can put fake troop movements a quarter of a mile away on a hillside. <laughs> or you can whisper in the ear of a supposed terrorist some biblical verse. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> And they have these infrared devices that can look at their countenance and see a fraction of a degree Kelvin in temperature shift from 100 yards away when they play this thing. And so another way of hope, hopefully determining who's friendly and who isn't. Think of all the people who, quote unquote, hear voices in their head. Now, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure hearing voices in your head is a completely, it happens all the time without sound lasers but you know if you're able to speak right into somebody's brain without them sort of knowing it's you you could get some people to do some things that the you know the normal vocal you know manipulator might not be able to do right and there are other technologies that sort of do similar things it's not a beam of sound Right. But there is something called silent sound technology. Right. And it was patented on October 27th of 1992. You're it, talking about the silent subliminal presentation system. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, it uses audio frequencies that are out of our range. And this is the abstract for the patent. Okay. For the thing. Okay. A silent communication systems in which non-aural carriers in the very low or very high audio frequencies range or in the adjacent ultrasonic frequency spectrum are amplitude or frequency modulated with the desired intelligence and propagated acoustically or vibrationally for inducement into the brain typically through the use of loudspeakers, earphones, or piezoelectric transducers. The modulated carriers may be transmitted directly in real time or may be conveniently recorded and stored on mechanical, magnetic, or optical media for delayed or repeated transmission to the listener. Oh, <laughs> that was a mouthful. That sounds so scary. <laughs> Why do they have to make it sound so terrifying in the pattern? Basically, um, it's a form of mind control, you could say. Totally. This has to be in use already. And, and you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know if it's being used on you. They say here they can put it into a piece of media. So you could literally be watching something on your TV, an advertisement or a show, and you could be, uh, you could have these subliminal presentation systems going on in the background and you can't even hear it as long as the speakers on your TV are capable of 
putting out the frequencies of sound that they are using, you can be influenced by this silent subliminal presentation system. Abnormal behaviors may include aggressiveness, agitation, hallucinations, or confusion. In depressed patients, worsening of depression, including risk of suicide, may occur. Alcohol may increase these risks. Allergic reactions such as... Part of the move to all HD TV and cable and all that stuff had to do with this... Right, because that would it would be a digital thing that you have to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because there's a company, Silent Sounds Incorporated, and um, you know they declare that uh, that it's possible using supercomputers uh, right. to actually analyze human emotional EEG patterns and then replicate them and then store them, and and they're called emotion signature clusters. Right, and you know using another computer or another device they can silently induce and change the emotional state of a human. So boy, that oh, is really scary. That's a lot of things. And you know, what's funny is um, this company silent sounds incorporated. They actually say they're only interested in positive emotions. Uh, yeah. But obviously, you know, the military gets a hold of this or the powers that be obviously probably has, this in their uh, arsenal already. And um, yeah, I mean, we've, uh, if you have HD television and you've watched some stuff, I mean, I'm sure we've been bombarded with some of this already. Well, I mean, this is a quote from the president of silent sounds incorporated Edward Tilton. And I quote, all schematics, however, have been classified by the U.S. government, and we are not allowed to reveal the exact details. We make tapes and CDs for the German government, even the former Soviet Union countries, all with the permission of the U.S. State Department, of course. The system was used throughout Operation Desert Storm quite successfully, uh, he says. So, so all of our speculation from earlier is true but they weren't using laser sounds they were using this silent sound technology see all sorts of scary things are happening yeah so i mean it's right there they're making cds for cds it's so weird to say cds (laughs) they're making music or files (laughs) for the german government and for soviet union countries i mean these are obvious i mean what would a government be using it for yeah. I mean, it's, it's just obvious that anything that a government would be using subliminal mood changing technologies, it's they could not be using it for anything good. I just well, can't. I, I just I can I just imagine things that a lot of people, at least in America, watch like the Super Bowl. And right. you have all these, you know, the halftime show, you got Lady Gaga up there with all these satanic symbols and whatnot, this right. Illuminati symbolism. I mean, what kind of you know, things can they be projecting through silent sound during that whole thing? Right. Or, or maybe affecting you in some way to make you more receptive of, you know, some sort of symbolism or just make you not feel so gross and weird as you watch a, yeah. a scary Madonna, you know, yeah, like Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Like you're watching some occult ritual and then it's giving you these like pleasure silent sounds or something and making you sort of enjoy it more than you should be. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But you know, interestingly also uh, a NASA researcher named GH Moore said that, you know, 
frequencies between zero hertz and 100 hertz at about 150 to 155 decibels produce That's vibrations of the chest wall, which slow. changes uh, the respiratory rhythm. You can actually gag or get headaches or cough. I mean, you can have all these negative effects. And it, it makes sense. Like, I don't know if you've ever been, again, we, you know, if you go to a really loud concert or rave or something, everyone wants to stand in front of the speaker. Right. And, and the, you know, you want that full body effect, right? You want the full body sensation of like the sound hitting you and stuff like that. But right. it can be also used to uh, make you vomit and stuff. To kill you. Yeah, I know. It has headaches, coughing, visual distortion, post-exposure fatigue, you know, just, you're just exhausted. <laughs> you're just an exhausted mess after that. <laughs> Actually, even uh, uh, an engineer that worked on this named Vic Tandy, you know, they felt this haunting effect while they were in the laboratory working on this. And right. they characterized it as a spooky feeling or a spook. Right. Um, and they, he even claims that they're, um, he felt uneasy and he saw vague glimpses of a gray apparition. Ooh. And... You're gonna tell me that that wasn't real? No, not necessarily. I mean, it could be an alien gray, you know, uh, being induced by some frequency tampering, and uh, you know, because if they're hanging out in different dimensions or something, and right. you're you're rippling the sound waves through our time space domain or uh, frequency range. Yeah, I mean, we, we see that some pretty gnarly things can happen with sound Some that can be weaponized, of course. But, I mean, this isn't the first time that sound's been weaponized, really. I can think of uh, certain um, walls of Jericho that I think were a vic- fell victim to some aural weaponry. We read in Joshua 6.20... This is the story of the walls of Jericho. Most of you guys that are listening are probably familiar with the story. Um, But just verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the walls fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. And, uh, you know, it wasn't actually a trumpet like we have today. It's... It was a shofar, right? what they had back then. And, uh, you know, there were seven dudes that blew the shofar and, and the walls came down. The, the walls of Jericho came down. Seven dudes? I feel like it would need more than that. Right. And, uh, you know, modern scientists have tried to figure this thing out, you know, because right. obviously if you're a, a materialist, a seven shofars blowing is not going to blow down a wall. Right. But they were, uh, they're interested enough with this uh, story to try to figure out what it would take to actually blow down a wall from the Bronze Age, which was that era. Right. And uh, they found out that it would take more than... 400,000 shofar blowers to blow simultaneously and they would have to use that that guy we talked about earlier with the uh, 
laser precision sound device thing. Right. Um, because obviously, you know, if you have 400,000 people blowing shafars at once, the sound is not going to be directed. Well, that'd be really intense. It'd though. be really intense. Also, scientists have figured out that what it would take to break down a wall is about 177 decibels. And uh, just so you have a point of reference, okay, a gunfire is about 150 decibels. Fireworks are also about 150 decibels. Right. And um, I don't remember the exact loudest concert ever, but it was, I think it was around 130, I believe. And I think at one point, the Who from, you know, the British rock band, they held the record. For the the loudest rock concert? Yeah, it was like 130 something decibels. Which is Challenge a- accepted. <laughs> with your banjo here we go uh you know those nhra dragsters those are about 160 um a space shuttle launch reaches 170 decibels start two one booster ignition and liftoff of the space shuttle discovery returning to the space station taking the way from so you can imagine, okay, the 177 decibels to break down a wall, that's that's quite loud. All right. I'm pretty sure that was supernatural because I don't think seven dudes blown a shofar was able to produce <sighs> the sound of a spaceship launch. Well, I mean, that would be the idea. The point is that sound is an, is an incredible thing that completely blows my mind and the possibilities seem to be endless. And there's so many aspects of sound that point towards an amazing, an amazing plan that was put into motion a long time ago and some very interesting ways of interacting with the world using sound and sound also opens up possibilities and the conversation of frequencies and what's perceptible and what's not perceptible by the human mind and which plays deeply into all spiritual principles in my opinion yeah and if you read the bible with a heightened awareness of the word sound it's in there a lot just real quickly, in Acts 2.2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind. This is God using sound as a spiritual thing. Right. Um, and back in Ezekiel uh, 3.13, it was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of a great earthquake. Again, God using sound in a very intentional way to carry out his plan. And so sounds pretty crazy thing. It, it has roots in the creation of the universe. It has tentacles into the destruction of the human body using resonating frequencies. It has some very loose ties with affecting your energy levels or your mind state, but also some very um, sinister ties with uh, mind control and some um, globalization. So put in your earplugs. 
So make sure your earplugs are nice and deep. Except when you listen to Canary Cry Radio. And keep listening to Canary Cry Radio. We'll have another great episode for you next week. With different sounds. With more sounds. So, as always, think outside the cage. Or listen outside the cage. You should do both. Um, preferably, you should you should use all your, all of your senses outside the cage. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> oh gosh we're terrible <laughs> it's terrible it's okay it's the editing the editing works the editing magic thank you for listening to this episode of canary cry radio the show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com make sure to connect and like our facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio follow us on twitter at canarycryradio if you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on StumbleUpon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage. Outside the cage.